We are in part two right now of a two-part series called Awakening. And so we're going to be looking at this thought of, uh, of being awakened and what that means as we prepare our hearts for what God has. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of awakening, awakening from slumber, waking up, uh, becoming uh, more in tune, alert, or whatever. Some of you guys are thinking, when I think of the awakening, the great awakening, I think of this season for the Dallas Cowboys. It's long overdue, but they're coming through. And some of you guys are like, but it's playoff time, and you are really nervous. Remember, some things only happen through prayer and fasting, all right? So mention the Cowboys as the, as the playoff season starts up. Others of you so much more spiritual than that. Like, I don't think of football. I think of the great awakening in the, in the 18th century because you know your church history. and You're so excited about that because it was called the great awakening where literally like Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, and these other great preachers just used by God and, and they would go and they would preach in different towns and, and hour after hour they would just give truth and share the word and people would be listening, weeping throughout the messages, revival happening, literally people being changed, families being changed, communities being changed, culture was being so impacted by it to where as we look back throughout history, it has that time period and that, and then that what God did during that time is called the great awakening, the spiritual revival that took place. So I'm going to talk a little less about the Cowboys, a little more about spiritual revival, but I'm not so much talking about the great awakening of the past as much as I'm talking about the greatest awakening here in this moment. If we were to break it down and define it, we have a couple of definitions that I want to pull up and just show you on the screens as we talk about uh, what it means to awaken. So you guys could pull that up if you would, please. An act or moment of becoming suddenly aware of something. So it's something that it triggers, it sparks, it, 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 it awakens you. It, it, it happens in an instant. And then there's another definition of awaken. The next one is the beginning or rousing of something. So that one's more progressive. It's more of an evolving. It, it, it grows with time. And so uh, when I think of the first definition, that, that sudden awakening, uh, have you ever been like in a sleep, in a deep sleep, and then something startled you or woke you up? Have you ever had that happen before? I mean, some of you, you have like the spiritual gift of sleep, and you can sleep through a tornado. I mean, you can sleep through a hurricane just because you have that spiritual gift. My wife has that spiritual gift. I don't know if it's like a true gift or she's just really good at faking it when a baby's crying, you know, or something like that, but she doesn't skip a beat. She just stays sound asleep. I sleep so lightly that if something like a, down the hall, if one of the girls is like, you know, like that or something, I jump up on my feet. I'm running down the hall and I'm beside their bed before I even realize that my eyes have opened. I just sleep lightly like that and I just move quickly. And so uh, I was thinking about when we first had our, 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 our first child, Candace, when we had our first child. You know, when you're married, you, those of you who've been married and you've had children, you can probably relate to how it's like different when you start having children, like there's somebody else in the house. Right, Because you're used to it just being the two of you. And the first time that my little girl Candace got up in the middle of the night and used the bathroom, it freaked me out. I thought somebody just broke in our house and flushed the toilet. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? And then it would really start just, just, just bothering me when she would come in the room but not say anything. 
and she would stand beside me. This is just weird. I mean, I, 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 like we've had to work through this because I'm like, say something. Don't just breathe because you're asleep, but you just feel somebody going. And you're like, what in the world? What are you doing? See, Angel, my little baby now, she's four years old. She'll come in and she'll just start hitting me. Hey, dad, dad. Dad, okay, that bothers me, but I'd rather you do that than breathing at me. You know what I'm saying? That just is kind of weird. So sometimes I've been awakened if it's like instantly. And then there's this other definition. I think of another story with it. It's where it's like this gradual, like looking back and you realize the picture's like coming in, in, into, into uh, great clarity and you're better to understand it. It's when I was younger. I was, I was in seventh grade and I was playing football and it wasn't going so hot. I wasn't doing so well. wasn't getting a lot of playing time. And uh, I was just discouraged. I just wanted to quit quit. I knew my dad probably wouldn't let me quit, so I was trying to think of how I was going to pitch this, right, and how I was going to convince him I need to quit playing football, and it kind of worked out great because I picked up this other hobby that I thought, hey, this is pretty cool and fun. I've got a future with this, and so I talked to him. I said, dad, I'm about to quit playing football because uh, it's taking up too much time, and uh, I've got dreams in my heart. Dad, I want to go somewhere. I want to be something. I want to do something. And I, and I know what I want to do when I grow up. And so I'm going to focus on that. And he said, well, I don't know about you quitting, but, but what is it that you're wanting to do? And I said, come on, Dad, you've got to understand. So I'm a man of focus. And I need to say yes to the main thing and no to everything else. And football is in the way. I want to say yes. He says, son, what is it that you're saying is so important and you want to do when you grow up? What is it? And I said, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a professional breakdancer. And, uh, well, I had to say it hurts a little bit that you just laughed right there, just for the record. I don't laugh at your dreams, okay? But that hurts a little bit because people don't believe me. You know, they're like, are you, I am for real. I mean, I wanted to be a New York City breaker. I'm talking about a big time moneymaker. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I had the skills to pay the bills. I won third place in the junior high talent show. So I know it was validated. It was validated. People could recognize talent when they saw it. And so I was like, I, I really want to do that. And, and I know when I tell that, people are like, no way, no way. There's no. And so my daughter, Bria, came with me on this trip, and she's like, Dad, you've got to do it. Like, they don't believe it. And so I was like, you're right. So if y'all ready for this. <laughs> All right. You guys go ahead. No, I'm just messing with y'all. I'm not going to do <laughs> No, my little girl did say it, though. She did. She's like, Dad, you got to bust a move. And I said, that's the problem, sweetheart. I busted so much, I can't move anymore. I just can't. But anyway, I told my dad I want to quit because I got to be a professional break dancer. And he's like, you're not quitting football. You're going to finish the season. Then after that, if you want to be a break dancer, you can be a break dancer. Well, I finished the season. Of course, my dad was smart. He knew I was just going through a little phase. And so the next year of football, it was easier. I was doing better and went on the next year and played in more like. And it went on to play college football and went. Uh, with Evangel University where I was playing football, we went to China to introduce American football to the Chinese people. It's this cool, like, lifetime experience. It was so awesome. We played in three different cities, three different large stadiums. One was in the Beijing Olympic Stadium, 85,000 people there. They didn't understand football, but they were having a blast doing the wave. I mean, it was really funny. <laughs> 
But anyway, my dad went with me on that trip, and uh, it was so cool that we got to experience that together. And we were standing on the, on the field uh, during the pregame and just warming up, and my dad looks up at the scoreboard, and the screen goes, hey, check it out, check it out, look. And I looked up and it had my name in the lights. It said, Scotty Gibbons. Uh, number 15, quarterback. And my dad was like, what do you think about this? I was like, Dad, this is incredible. And it's as if he had been waiting his whole life for this moment. And so he put his arm around me. He's like, hey, just think. You could have been a professional break dancer. I was like, oh, you got me, Dad. All right, I can see that you are much smarter than me. And then it, it was uh, years after that, I was actually uh, a part of this event that we were able to do. We'd put on this, this um, 4th of July, just big community-wide event called I Love America. And we had like over 100,000 people at this event. I had the privilege of, of sharing the gospel at the end of the presentation and inviting people to, to respond to Jesus. And so I was so excited about that. And I was back on the side of the stage before I went out just looking out. And there were 100, over 100,000 people. I don't know if you've ever looked out over like 100. This is like a sea of humanity. I mean, 100,000 100,000 anything is a lot, right? But anyway, it, it, people, and I'm just like, this is incredible. And this time, it was my heavenly father who spoke to my heart, and he brought that back to my mind. It was like, just think, you could be a professional breakdancer. But there in that moment, I was getting to represent something that mattered, and it just, was, it just made me smile to think, aren't you so glad that God saves us from some of our silly ideas? Aren't you thankful for that? I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever had any silly ideas, but you could fake it right now and just make me feel better because there are times I look back and I go, God, you're just, you're smarter than me, all right? You, you're ahead of me on that one. I'm so thankful that he has saved me not only from sinful, uh, silly ideas, but from sinful patterns, right? And, and just addictive behaviors and things that could have kept me, but he has awakened in my heart to what he has for me. And I look at it and I say, thank you, God, that you have revealed to me who you are and the plan that you have for my life. And I'm not limited to what I can do on my own. And really, as we start 2015, I just want to jump into this and say, what if God could awaken something, explode some revelation in your heart to where it not only would save you from silly ideas, but it could deliver you from some sinful habits and it could set you on a course to greatness that is you look back one day, you can only smile and say, you really are smart. God, you had this all figured out. You had this all orchestrated and planned. Just because God has favor and blessing for your life does not mean that you'll experience it in 2015. Can you see what he sees in your life? Can you see what he has for you? Have your eyes been opened? Have you been made to see? Has your heart been awakened to what the Lord had? That's why this message today is so important. As we awaken to what God just perhaps maybe might want to do through your life. In your life in 2015. Well, to look at this, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1. If you have your copy of God's Word, just take it and open it to John. Look at chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can look along and, and follow along on the screen as we pull up these scriptures as we look at John chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 29. Before we get there, let me set the stage because this is a great passage of what awakening really looks like. We catch up with a guy in the Bible by the name of John the Baptist. He was a forerunner, if you will, of the coming Messiah, that is Jesus. Now, we just celebrated Christmas, and uh, 
you know, that was the celebration of the birth of Christ. We celebrate Easter. We recognize that not only that, that God became man, he came to this sin-cursed world. Jesus came. God became man, came to live among men, to dwell among men so that we could be saved by his grace and man could spend forever with God. So God became man so that man could hang out forever with God. Jesus came, lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross for your sin and mine. He was buried in the grave, but death could not hold him. He conquered death, hell, and the grave as the Spirit of God raised him from the dead. And here's his promise that if our hearts will be awakened to his grace, if we'll be responsive and receptive to his love, if we'll just say yes to his lordship of our hearts, he says that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will also live in your life and will give you the hope of resurrection power. That's what awakening really looks like like and yet before any of this took place generation after generation after generation of Jewish people were looking forward to longing for anticipating the coming Messiah they were people who understood bondage they were people who knew what it meant to live in captivity they knew what it meant to have hopes dashed and so they were looking they had been promised it had been prophesied it had been foretold predicted that there would be one sent from God who would come and would be the chosen one the anointed one the Messiah who would set the captives free they were holding on to that hope they were believing in that prophecy and generation after generation after generation, they waited and they looked for it. Now, John the Baptist is on the scene and he's doing his ministry. And there's so much cool stuff happening surrounding his ministry that people started saying, hey, are you the Messiah? Are, are you the one that we've been waiting for? And John the Baptist's like, dude, it's not me. Trust me. The one who's about to come is so much greater than me. You just don't even know how cool this is about to get. He's like, but the Messiah is about to show up. That's where we catch up with him in this story. Let's look together at verse 29. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, exclamation point, because he's declaring it. This is big. This is an awakening. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Doesn't that just sound good? Verse 31, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen, listen to what John says in summary of all that. Listen how he wraps this up. I have seen and I testify that this is the son of God awakening. He had this realization. He's out doing his thing. He's going about his business. It's another day in the life of John the Baptist. He's doing what he's doing. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking into the crowd. And when John's doing what he's doing, he's looking out and he's seeing people. He's seeing Bobby. He's seeing Freddie. He's seeing Eddie. He's seeing Betty. And then he goes, whoa, behold. Yo, check this out. 
That's the Lamb of God right there. That's the Messiah. That's what I was talking. There he is right there. There's this awakening. And he says, I would not have even known him. I would not have even recognized him. I had not met him before, but I see him right now. And what he's saying is, I could not see or know it on my own. But number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is what awakening looks like. Physical eyesight gives way to spiritual insights. That's awakening. When your physical, natural eyesight gives way to spiritual insight, your life experiences an awakening. And John the Baptist was saying, man, I saw him, but I wouldn't have even known him. See, you need to understand that it's not that he looked out there and he saw that Jesus was like glowing in the dark, you know, or, or he's just walking along. He's like, hey, who's that over there like floating? Uh, six, what, what is that? I was like, hey, are you the, it wasn't like that. See, a lot of times we see pictures and we see movies and we think that Jesus just, you know, walks around like this all the time. You know, hello, you know, I, I, you know, just like uh, I'm the Messiah. Hello. You know, like that. And it's not like that. Physically, he didn't have any distinguished look. He was just another guy in a crowd, Roman sandals, there he is. But John said, except for I was made to see this because I saw it, not with my physical eyes, but in the spirit realm. I saw the spirit of God on him and I realized, no way. That's, that's, that's Jesus. been waiting we've been we've been looking we've been there he is he's so excited and he declares be all check it out the lamb of god who takes away the sin what if in 2015 you had your greatest awakening to who god is that it took your breath away See, sometimes we look through the natural, the physical, and we say, okay, yeah, I see what's going on in my life, and apparently if there is a God, he must be mad at me. What if instead of looking through natural eyes, you had a spiritual revelation and awakening, you realize he's not mad at you, but he's mad about you? What if instead of looking at this thing as some religious ritual, I got to go to church, why? I'm American, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm trying to raise my kids in a good home. What if instead of seeing religion, you saw relationship, you saw a God who's not far and removed, but he's close and he's accessible, that he's involved that he cares what if instead of getting so caught up and how you could have a better year now come on you know we all set new year's resolutions some of you you've been setting new year's resolutions for years and so you quit a long time ago you're just like here's my resolution i ain't gonna do it anymore <laughs> it's because like if all this was today was a, was this pep rally come on you can do it you can do it Try again in 2010. You know, you, you had your little rhymes. You're like, this is my year. More of heaven in 11. I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to do it this year. And then it's just bad. You start running out of rhymes. And you just like, it wasn't working. And then just by 13, you're like, uh-uh, uh-uh, 14. I mean, seriously. Here we are at 2015. And some of you already, like, you're like, man, it's just been a hard year. It's been a really hard year so far. <laughs> There's been a lot going on, you know, just, just a lot of stuff. And you're already tired. <laughs> there are some of you, some of y'all, <laughs> you're still tired from 2013. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. You're just like, yeah, I just, I just need four or five years just to catch my breath before we start 2015. I just need to catch up. 
Because you're always trying to do better. You're always trying to be better. When there's brokenness, you try and glue it back together, and it doesn't fit right. It doesn't work right. You make mistakes. You're like, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to be better. What if you had awakening, and you realize that the God who knows everything about you, he knows your, your, your shortcomings. He knows your failures. He knows about your silly ideas, and he knows about your sinful behaviors. He knows everything that he is, and he's the one who said, where your sin is great, my grace is even greater. What if instead of a year where we're trying to do self-improvement, I'm not saying don't have resolutions. I'm not saying don't try and improve, all right? Brush your hair, brush your teeth, wear deodorant, exercise, eat your Wheaties, all right? Do all of that. But what if this is year where instead of being so consumed with self-improvement, we were facing, we were focusing on, we were chasing after spirit empowerment. Like instead of just thinking physically and in the natural, we're like, God, awaken my soul to who you are. Open my eyes to your goodness, Lord. Reveal to me your greatness and let me experience you in a level like I've never experienced you before. Some of you guys like that. Is that preacher talk? Because that sounds really cool, but what, what does that even mean? What do I even do with that? Here's what it means. What if in 2015 you say, God, I don't know what all may happen. I don't know what all I may face, what all I may encounter, but here's what I purpose. I want to put my eyes on you. I'm going to take you at your word that you are who you say that you are. And right now I declare, behold, check it out. You are the one true God. And I pray that you would take me. And you would wreck me in a good way. You would take over. You would take control. What if in 2015, it's not about me, but it's all about you. And this year's about me learning your voice, following your will, and experiencing your favor and your blessing. God, I'm yours. No wonder John was so excited when he started declaring this. For some of you, your spiritual awakening awakening, can begin right now just with your letting go. And saying, I'm not going to measure things the way I used to measure them. It's not about money. It's not about popularity. It's not about me, my self-esteem, about my uh, promotion. It's a, what if I realize that ultimate joy and peace are found in relationship with you? This is my aha moment. Then there's this result that comes. It's not just this instantaneous thing where John looks at and he's like, oh, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. Wow, it wasn't just that. But it's this progressive thing. Here's the second thing. Write this down. Number two, when you experience an awakening, your earthly life will now be spent for his eternal work. Did you get that? Your earthly life will be spent for his eternal work. See, let's pick up where we left off. I'm just going to show you a few more verses here. Let's look at verse 39 or 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Now he's just telling everybody. He's experienced an awakening. And now he's wanting to shout it from the rooftops. You know why? It's because when you've had a true encounter with God, when you've had a true legitimate awakening, you realize that as cool as that is, and yeah, that, that places in your heart this hope for eternity. Anybody excited about heaven? You're just looking forward to it. You're, you're excited. You're looking forward to being forever with God. I mean, how many of you would admit there are some days you're more ready than others? Come on. You know what I'm talking about? Some days you're like, you know what? I think the rapture would be cool right now. That would just be great. Some of you guys are like, what, what is rapture? I'm new to this stuff. Explain it. The Bible says that there's going to be a trumpet call of God. You don't even know when it's going to come, but he's coming back for those 
who've had that awakening, who've experienced him, who've surrendered their lives to him. There's going to be a trumpet call. I don't know if it's going to sound like that. Probably even cooler than that right there. But it's going to be a trumpet call of God. And, and those who are followers of Jesus are going to be caught up together in the air. We're going to be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever in heaven. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not there yet. He may come back before 2015 is over. How cool would that be? But until he comes back, there's work for his eternal work that we're supposed to be doing while here on earth. And it's not enough just to say, I've experienced the awakening. I can't wait. Hey, what's up with you? I'm hanging out. What you hanging out for? I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. I'm listening for the trumpet. You know the reason your heart is still beating? For more changed lives. You know the reason why we're still here right now? It's because God is patient, not willing that any would perish, but that all would experience an awakening in their lives. And you know what? God doesn't just do that through preachers. He does it through people seated in your chair right there where you are and the person next to you. Because when we've had that explosion in our heart, you can't help it. It's like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. It's like, I found something, and you got to hear about this. And you see, that's what happens when John tells people. And then even look at what it says after that. Let's, let's pick up with verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So he hears about John's awakening. He hears about this, and he has his own personal experience, and then here's what happens in verse 41. The first thing Andrew did, somebody say first thing. Come on, shout, first thing. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. So he has this experience, and he goes, the very first thing, his priority. I got to go tell my brother about this. That's a real indication of a true, genuine awakening is when something explodes in your heart and it's so good you cannot help but go, I got to tell somebody now about it. There's a priority. Like, are you even looking? Are you even watching? It's got to be a priority. You know, one of the sad realities is that most people who claim Christianity have never led one single person to Jesus. But that's not the worst part of it. Most have never even tried, and still yet, that's not the worst part. Most don't even care. And you look at that, and you put it against Scripture, and you go, it doesn't work. Because what I see in Scripture is when there's an explosion, when there's an awakening, when that happens, when it takes place, your natural reaction to the awakening is to share with other people. The first thing that he did, i got to go find my brother. It's priority. Now, some of you guys know I have five little girls just had our little boys, so we got six. And there's any time we go anywhere, we have to do a roll call. I mean, it doesn't matter where we're going. And they're like, okay, here, 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 here. Who are we missing? You know, we have to do that all the time. So one night after I had spoken at a camp, we were out at this campground out in the middle of nowhere, and it was late. And uh, started getting, okay, who, who are we missing? We're one short. And they said, we're missing Bria. Bria's not, Bria's not in here missing Bria. So my wife, Casey, anytime something like that happens, she immediately starts going, where is she? Oh, this, this is a big deal. 45 seconds, we haven't found her. She's, you know, ready to call 911. 45 minutes later, I'm like, she'll turn up. <laughs> it's all right. 
Except this time was different. We were at this campground to where a few events prior to this, this event right here, they, they almost canceled the event because they were looking for this murderer who had committed murder and was on the run, and they had chased him into the woods where this uh, event, where this campground was. I don't like going into the woods ever, especially at night. And it just is a whole nother level when there's a fugitive, all right, out in the woods somewhere and there are helicopters literally looking around, police with dogs and everything. And so now all of a sudden I'm going, okay, she, she's got to be out here somewhere. Bria. Bria, we couldn't find her, couldn't find her, couldn't find her, couldn't find her. You know what I didn't say to my wife? I didn't say to her, hey, you know what? We've looked for 30 minutes and we have four other daughters. Let's go. Some of you are like, well, no, of course you didn't say that. No, I didn't because she's mine. Because I love her. I'm passionate about my sweetheart. She's a priority. I'm going to keep looking. I did not say, hey, I've checked everywhere. I know to check. That's her problem. All right? She's sick. She's grown. She ought to know how to stay with the rest of the group. I didn't say that. If you were like, well, did you ever find her? We did find her. You're like, well, I thought you looked everywhere. We looked everywhere. How come we didn't find her? She was inside a cabin. Didn't you check the cabin? Yes, we checked the cabin. Where was she? Underneath one of the beds. Why didn't you call out? We did call out. Don't judge me. We were looking for her everywhere. And I asked her, I said, did you not hear us calling? Yes, sir. Why didn't you answer? She said, because we were playing hide and seek. If I had answered, you'd have found me. <laughs> so we worked through that. Everything's okay. We went through counseling. But here's the point. I didn't give up on my baby. I'm going to find her. What if there was such an explosion in your heart that you said the reason my heart is still beating, the reason I'm still here is to find one more soul while there's time. 2015, I'm going to find somebody. I'm going to bring them to Jesus. And when you have a real awakening, you can't help but do that. It said the first thing Andrew did was to go and find him. It says the second thing is that he told them, hey, we found the Messiah, that thing we've been looking for, that what we've been hoping for, what we've been anticipating, the only thing that can truly bring peace and satisfy. We found him. We found him, Simon. We found him. You find them and you tell them. What is your life telling people around you? What message is your life communicating to people who are looking for hope? all around you some of us our message is this i believe that god exists i'm like okay cool the book of james says even the demons believe that god exists some of some of us our lives communicate i believe that god exists and that we probably ought to do some good things to make him happy so i go to church and so the world's looking at that going that's not exactly what i'm looking for I got some real issues, some real needs, some real brokenness. I need a real God, a real healer. I got some major issues. I need a real Savior. There are some of us, what we say is, hey, I found a God that when it's convenient, I serve him. When it's going great, I worship him and celebrate him. But when life gets a little rocky, all of a sudden now I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I'm questioning I'm crying, I'm cussing, I'm a victim. Why would you do this to me? Whatever it is. And people are looking at our lives and the, what we're telling them with our lives is sometimes I worship him, sometimes I don't. I found a God that fits the mold of what I'm looking for. What if our lives shouted with everything within us? I found the one true God. I found the real hope 
of the world. So even when I'm going through something that's difficult, somebody's watching my life, they see the storm all around me, and they say, what in the world? How can you have such peace in the midst of the storm? You say, check this out. I have found the Messiah firsthand, personally. I know him. They look at that and they say, I need that. First thing Andrew did is he went to find his brother Simon and to tell him we found the Messiah. And it says, and he brought him to Jesus. How do you bring people to Jesus? Because some of us are like, Scotty, I'm telling them the best way that I know how. I'm trying to communicate the message. I'm trying, but my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter, my friend, my coworker, they won't surrender to Christ. I don't know what to do. You know the number one way you bring somebody to Jesus is through prayer. It's not just a spiritual answer. That's the reality. That's the greatest reality is that the battle is won in prayer. That's why you got to throw yourself into this prayer and fasting emphasis over the next few weeks. Because as you call out to God, I'm telling you, you will experience an awakening in your life. And there's going to be a usefulness for the kingdom as you focus on his eternal work. There's going to be an anointing that accompanies when you do what God's calling you to do. You're going to experience an empowerment that can only come from his spirit. You will see breakthroughs. It's not me promising that. It's the word of God. He says, when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, awakening. As you begin to intercede, you're going to see breakthroughs. Friends, family members coming to know Jesus. E.M. Bounds, a great man of prayer and who accomplished much for the kingdom. He says this. He said, to talk to man about God is a good thing. But to talk to God about man is greater still. Who are you praying for to experience an awakening this year? How else do you bring people to Jesus? Practically. God gives us tools. He gives us a great church like this. I know Herbert and Tiffany have been praying for this book. They've poured their hearts into it. I know this series coming up. I'm, I'm just, I, I told you, I want to cancel my next year. I just want to come hang out and watch what Jesus does. But you know what? God's not just calling you to come and watch what he does. He wants you to be a part of it. You take a tool like this book, which is Herbert's story of a spiritual awakening. You start passing out to friends going, check this out. Read this. I double dog dare you to read this. Come with me Sunday. I'll take you to lunch afterwards. You tell me what you think this is going to. You start just inviting people. I don't know if Jesus is coming before 2015 is over. But if he does and that trumpet sounds, how could it, cool would it be when you go flying through the air that there are two, three, four, five, six people going with you? Because God used you to bring an awakening to their hearts. I'm going to pray, and I know that there are some of you today, you need to pray your prayer of surrender to Jesus. And this is your moment. You're going to start 2015 like all get out. This is going to be the year that goes down in your life story of the year that God opened your eyes, changed your life simply because you said yes to him. Others of you, this is a progressive awakening to where you realize not only have I been changed, but now I want to reach the world around me.